Hello and welcome to an, uh, the latest episode of Make Mine Mayday. Welcome back to Spider-Verse Part 2 here on Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. This time we're covering the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would once say, and tackling the madness that is this storyline. Before we get started, we always have to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash Network. We've got our patrons listed up here on the screen. Allison, Cindy, Ed, Georgia, Greg, Janelle, Cindy, Catherine, Kigar, Laura Howard, Master Graman, Phoenician, Scott, Vanessa, Vicky, and then we have our VIPs, Scott, Sebastian, Vinkman, Winnipeg, Webhead, and uh, the friendly neighborhood tier you see up on the screen. We also have our newest patron, which I'm going up their name right now. Uh, we have Lumpra, Lumpa Moose, Lump Moose. I can't say that. Uh, Lump Moose is our newest Patreon over on patreon.com slash Network. Thank you guys for your support. You can always check out our other great shows here on the channel, such as Clone Saga Chronicles, a show all about the 1990s Clone Saga, Spectacular Radio, a show all about the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, Amazing Spider-Man Classics, a show all about Spider-Man from the beginning, with Jack and Hobby Willow Season 2 is out now. We have uh, the Sabusema Era Podcast, which is all about the seminal run of Sal Buscema's run on Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, they just had a new episode released talking about the cosmic power of Spidey. And Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast, has a brand new episode out right now as of this recording. So check it out over on our front page. And if you want to see the, uh, the video version of that show, you can find it over on Patreon. Of course, our Patreon first show, Books of X, is going to have the newest episode dropping very soon. And uh, with myself and the Bogan Writer. So check that out as part of our Patreon page. Hello, everybody. I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster. And of course, we are always joined to make my mind by Miss Kelly McDaniel. Hello, Kelly. Hello. And uh, Neil was supposed to be the man behind the chair, but he's here. Yes, yes. And public. I'm the, I'm the devil on your shoulder. Hello. Yeah, I'm, well dre- I'm well dressed for the occasion. That's good. So he's just Ken. Bye. <laughs> anyway, he was supposed to be in backstage. Anyway. So, for yeah, those of you that are, are watching us live on YouTube, welcome. Thank you for watching us live. If you are listening to us on the audio edition, be sure to give us that five star review. Let us know how we're doing. And of course, this is going to have some probably some live comments and some visual aids potentially. So, pay that in mind as we go through on this episode. So, hello to everybody in our comment section. Um, Bit of a disclaimer, this is going to be a heavy episode. Just just going to tell you. <laughs> so, Kelly, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of let you kind of elaborate maybe in the housekeeping section. Uh, well, I mean, housekeeping is nothing about what's going down. But I did want to apologize uh, for some things said in part one, because I actually went back and listened to myself, which is something I don't normally do. Um, but, and I blame you for this, Zach, um, because I wasn't going to talk about Silk at all last episode, but we had to, and we needed to, it was important, but I don't know what happened, but I, I, go away. the best way I can describe it is I literally was triggered and I was taken back to 2014 and was just as angry. And so, um, Mm -hmm. basically, like you can hear my voice go from like pretty chill to like just being like some traumatized child as soon as we mention silk i feel bad but i wanted to basically just kind of state that i'm sorry about that um i did promise to keep a cool head and kind of snapped um i did say things in anger 
that kind of made things sound bigger and badder than they were, mostly jumping the gun on fan theory words, and I didn't really keep that clear. So just to be fair, anytime I said the word blackmail, I meant lying on their resume. Um, the blackmail is hyperbole. The lying on the resume was confirmed by said person on a kid's show that should still be on Disney Plus. And if anybody wants to check that out, you should also pair that with the episode on the other Disney Plus show where its narrative is all about said person's obsession with social media to the point that they never get work done because that's supposed to make him relatable and quirky. Uh, you know, because he still does things the Marvel way. But anyway, I apologize because I kept saying blackmail and I meant lie and just I just wanted to make sure that was clear <laughs> no no yeah uh, I, I, <laughs> before so, we get in well, trouble <laughs> I was taken aback because I just made a joke about silk and then I didn't realize it was going to like cause you to get that upset and I apologize for I didn't realize it no and we'll go into it because I was talking to Neil today because I actually had him go over what I wrote with my thoughts are more like free process that I write to try to like formulate what I'm going to say and what point I want to make. And I was like, someone make sure that this isn't like going off the deep end because I'm, things are starting to click from this about how um, certain characters are treated. Yeah. That is still prevalent to um, how characters are treated today in ASM and the connections there. So uh, I just wanted you know, to make sure everything was fine. I was like, honestly, I didn't realize how a lot of my emotion, negative emotions are tied into Spider-Verse because, uh, you know, 2014 was a bad year for 2014, 2015 were the stardust and pretty bad moments. Mm -hmm. And um, the parallels from that and this, and then just everything tied in is very, uh, I guess still raw. So that's fun. Uh, well, but we're going to try to stay chill as possible again and try to as be as, much as, we as can. possible. <laughs> Which I think we I, were. We were. It was just yeah. my I, emotions I, were high. <laughs> I, I think that, that it, it, but it also reflects into a certain extent. It reflects, because I know there's a lot of people that, that they've discovered Mayday through this story, right? They did. Because and I want to you know? be fair to them, but I also like that's kind of the situation too, especially like if you haven't reread, you know, you might just be going along and listening. And I hope you start from the beginning and actually hear the story to yes. then get to this point because I think that that will also bring you a lot more clarity. Yes. Um, Why, you know, because there's, we'll, there's we'll get into that... it because a large part of what people champion about this. For May's character say oh I fell in love with her character from this comes from the issues we're talking about in this episode and uh, we'll talk it's wrong yeah, it's, um, but yeah <laughs> so there's a like I said there's going to be a lot we're going to get into um, throughout this episode once again we're keeping the focus on Mayday so we're not going to get into the, like, the nitty gritty of like the rest like we're going to go through the rest of the event but like we're not going to talk about all the ancillary stuff that happened on top of it um, you know, we, we've covered that in other podcasts, you know, the, the Ben and Kane stuff I covered on Clone Saga Chronicles, for example. So like, and I'm going to make some references to a certain podcast episode that still on Spotify, but you know, I want to mention again, uh, also in our news section here that, uh, just to remind everybody, Tom and Pat are reteaming to do a secret wars miniseries that ties into the original. It was announced in San Diego. 
uh, order it now so you can get your copies today because even though this was kind of alluded to in our interview that we did with the three of the those guys, uh, they couldn't talk about it at the time. So we know we mentioned it last episode, but be sure to order it at your favorite comic book shop to ensure that you get a copy because not all places will carry it unless you ask them to hold it and order it for you. So pull it, put it on your pull list, support Tom and Ron. Um, that's what we'll do. And uh, yeah, you know, we're, yeah, and you, guys. I think you can go ahead and pre-order it too on Comicsology, So that way, you know, in your digital, since, you know, now there's no longer the Marvel app where things were easy and we have to deal with Comixology um, because, where because you can't Amazon, buy it. You no. can't buy it in the app. You got to buy it on the website, but you can't read it on the web browser. You got to read it on the app. That makes sense. So anyway. real, real, real quick, I, I tried using Comixology for whatever reason. It stopped accepting my digital redemption copies after. Yeah, um, it did. App, did it? Is it for you too? Okay. Yeah, no, there's, it's an issue with Amazon. Um, it's an issue with their, like, back end. I don't know what's going on. It needs to get fixed, though. But Marvel oh, doesn't care. Uh, yeah, Marvel. Any, anything, to get to Marvel anything to get to Marvel Limited. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's anti-consumer and, and bah humbug. Uh, as I say, when it comes to that, so now, the mouse doing something anti-consumer. Say it ain't so. The mouse. It's not the mouse in this case. This is this Amazon. is Bezos. <laughs> this is. I'm gonna yeah, blame them both, it. anyways. Yeah. This is one case. It's not the mouse's fault. It's not Mickey's fault. It's 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 the yeah. um it's, it's the the guy that made the suspicious-looking rocket. <laughs> the, the very phallic-looking rocket. Yes. And thinks wearing a cowboy uh, hat makes him tough. That dude wouldn't know what anyway. is or hit him in the Jeffrey, butt. Anyway, can it, I was anyway, trying to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going into spider history a little bit. Um, I went back and listened to the old interview we did with Tom and Ron about five years ago on the network, which is available on Spotify, like I mentioned. So go check it out. Go find it. Uh, there's some, it's called Mayday Mondays, is the other show that we did. Uh, there's some things that we will discuss as we go through the recap that Kelly's going to provide here in a minute. Uh, but I want again, I, I could do more on the history, but I really recommend if this is your first episode, go back and listen to the previous episode. It's kind of condenses everything down and explains the history of spider verse as a concept. So, but to catch you up on the actual story, um, because you know, uh, we're in the middle of the story right now. Mayday's home is destroyed by Deimos. 982 Peter is killed on screen. MJ and Wes are implied to be dead as well in the story. We learned the great web about the great web of life and destiny and how it's related to everyone. We're introduced to Otto as Spider-Man and his team. Peter Parker is introduced to his team. They go to a safe zone of an Earth that Peter never lost his Captain Universe powers. Uh, you know, if you want to check out how what the Captain Universe thing was all about, check out the latest episode of Subzima. Solus, the father of the inheritors, kills the super duper Spidey, and then he takes Benji. Otto kills one of the inheritors when we find out that they can clone themselves. Kane, Jessica Drew, uh, Ultimate Jessica Drew, and Ben Riley of Earth 94 leave to go fight the good fight. Uh, ben dies. Spoiler alert. Um, Miles Morales teams up with Ultimate Spider Man, voiced by Drake Bell. Other spiders are recruited, including the 1967 series Spider Man, Cowboy Spider Man, Peter Parkcar, who is a sentient version of the Spider Mobile, who suspiciously talks like Speed Buggy from the 1970s cartoon because apparently Boomerang was playing at the time of the writing in the background. Uh, there's a bunch of tie-ins, so many tie-ins <laughs> that there are variants also of the Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors uh, episodes that this was coming out at around the same time. 
Notably, issue 14 of the uh, we're covering tonight has the gender swap uh, Petra Parker. It is not Mayday, even though like at first we all thought, oh, that might be Mayday. It's not Mayday. It's just a gender swap, Peter. So without further ado, that's caught everybody up. Kelly's going to give the recap of Spider-Verse Team-Up. Yeah. All right. So I do want to preface because I realized in my break sounds, I do sound very negative and mad. It is not about the creative team on this one. They did it beautifully, and I think that the intention was for me to be a little angry. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll go into it, and uh, I just want to make sure that that's clear because it does for this to be a Tom and Ron and company um, issue. Uh, it it I do sound a lot more negative than I normally do, and I just want to make sure that that's that's a, a clear statement before I go into it, but. Um, Spider-Verse Team-Up, issue three, released on January 21st, 2015, with a cover date of March 2015. Breakdown. So there's two stories in Spider-Verse Team-Up 3, and while two other Spider-Girls are in the first one with Spider-Ma'am, Mayday does not make an appearance, so we are not focusing on the first story at all. The second story, titled Bugged, is all about Spider-Girl and Uncle Ben together. Wait, that tagline sounds really bad out of context. Um, ew. So anyway, story, plot, and pencils by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Finished art, Sal Bishama. Colors by Andrew Crossley. Assistant editor, Devin Lewis. And editor, Nick Lowe. We start with May, who has blue eyes on this beginning page, barreling into the group, Anya, Hobby, 616 Peter, uh, and Mr. Porker, and she's trying to take charge and get the group ready to go so they can save her little brother. Mayday is absolutely beating herself up about this. She failed when it counted the most. She couldn't save her dad, her mom, but she's not about to fail Benny. And Benny. Um, she knows Deimos is planning to sacrifice him, a literal baby, so the fact no one wants to go save him is just beyond her. India and UK try to reason with her like she's completely off the handle and tells her to calm down. But um, Mayday actually seems a lot calmer than I would be in this situation. So they tell her that death awaits her in Do uh, Loom World. You know, the place that they took the baby. And you might, like, I don't know, want to save the child from death then? But anyway, like, I literally wrote, seriously, what is wrong with everyone else here but May? May rightfully calls these guys absolute phonies because they are and if they want to cower in a bunker fine she'll go she'll go alone Anya calls her crazy which again these people call themselves heroes and also uh foreshadowing on that one ma'am and uncle bunker as I like to call him uh their uncle the uncle Ben from this world but I call him uncle bunker uh as I like to call him tries to tell May she's asking for a suicide mission but really who wants to listen to a guy who retreated to a bunker over trying to save the world like, come on. Uh, May takes up her pinned-up aggression out on the bunker hallways. Again, though still being pretty reserved in said anger, because if she wanted to, she could probably blow a hole through the walls. Um, she does start to break down in her frustration, grief, and worry, and punches the wall hard enough to damage a wall as Uncle Bunker asks her if, uh, you know, if basically kind of is asking her why he, she's wrecking his home. Um, which, you know, dude, her home was burned to the damn ground like 24 hours ago, so piss off. Um, which, when May explains this, Bunker tells her that she's not the only one hurting, which, again, what the crap? 
why is everyone acting like losing your home, your boyfriend, parents, and then having your brother kidnapped within like less than 24 hours is like just having the wrong coffee order. Like I just, this is maddening. So May is completely justified in her emotions here. The dismissiveness is downright anger inducing. And this isn't on the creative team for this story, which we'll go into if we haven't yet, um, which, you know, I think we should go more into uh, in our thought process. But just like, I just want to say that this, like what this reminds me of, and I'm going to wait until after all of this, um, because I need to get through this breakdown as much as I really just, I don't, I don't want to finish this breakdown. This is insane. I hate, I hate everyone gaslighting Mayday in, in Spider-Verse so much. (laughs) Um, but Uncle Bunker asked May uh, to talk to him about her family and if her dad was happy, which again, she just watched her dad and her entire world be destroyed in like less than 24 hours ago. And she feels like she didn't act, fight when she should have. She doesn't know, you know, what possessed her to be so out of character in that moment. And she needs to feel her anger and her grief. And just asking her about happy moments isn't going to calm anybody down. So rightfully, Mayday tells Bunker to go to hell and lunges at him. They get into a tiff and an argument about what, uh, with great power, there must also come great responsibility is all about. Uncle Ben reminding Mayday and the audience and hell, maybe, you know, this was also to remind a certain ASM writer and a still current ASM editor that there's no guaranteed link between power and responsibility. Too many seem even to this day, to focus on the power without any regard to their responsibility. Bunker admits he gave up and hid after his Peter died, but Mayday doesn't have a right to judge him. May, still looking to kick him where it hurts after almost everyone has been dismissive to her this entire time in their weird, culty kumbaya, need I remind everyone about the we're your family now line said by Spider-Ham in Spider-Verse Part 2. It's disgusting and you know mayday continues to remind uncle bunker how he's the last person on earth on his earth because he didn't save it uncle bunker is impressed or shocked by mayday having impact webbing and she touches on her uncle ben but their spider sense cuts the scene and cuts the discussion as it were as a the crack may put in to her into the wall from her rage release has caused caused it to crack open, revealing a ton of mutant spiders. Wonderful. As they try to subdue it, May uses her stingers and her ability to magnetize the floor. Uncle Bunker asks her how come Mayday's the only one with that power, and she asks if she really is. Has anyone else tried? Mayday might be a teenager, but she does know that the key to any uh, success is to try. They both patch up the wall, and Ben tells her that she caused this due to her temper tantrum, which, again, dismissing and downplaying her intense trauma, grief, and fear. So, ew. Bunker tells her to forget about the loom world and be safe here, in this bunker, on a world devoid of all human life besides him. The guy who keeps dismissing her pain and lives in utter fear. So May walks off, reminding Bunker that Benny is all she has left, and she can't have a life without him. May does hope that there's an infinite number of alternative worlds out there, and maybe there's one, a 982B world. 
so to speak, that's out there where Mayday woke up to have wheat cakes with her parents and her baby brother. That's also who Mayday, our 982 May, which I know a lot of us still don't want to admit or agree that this is our May, but according to Marvel editorial, it is. But this is also who our Mayday, this Mayday, is going to be fighting for. She's going to be fighting for all those happy alternative 982s when she fights to get her brother back from Loom World. And she's going to kill Deimos. The end. So, Zach, what are your thoughts? As I wrestle with an overgrown um, lumbering oaf of a dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, my my thoughts are, first of all, this was written by Tom and, and, and done by Tom and Ron and Sal. They were brought in specifically for this story. Um, they were approached by Nick Lowe to do this. They were given the parameters. They've talked about this in a lot of interviews, but um, specifically we talked about this in that interview that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so originally the plan for this issue was to not leave, was to leave the bunker and have Mayday go and fight these uh, go to the the house in forest hills and kind of face her um to kind of kind of see the funhouse mirror version of what happened in this other yeah. universe and they were told no they can't leave the bunker that they had to like the the parameters were very limited um so the other notable thing for this issue is it's just it's uh, you know after rereading all of it and you're sitting here saying this and I'm less like because we know what happens later. Oh I know. Yeah. Uh the other thing that's notable for this issue was introducing the bugs being in this world concept as the plot had been written out Tom and Tom and Ron pointed out that there wasn't a place that introduced these bugs as a concept at any point in their like story structure. No. So they were able to write it in there. Apparently Nick Lowe was like, thank you because like we totally over, we overlooked this. Huh? Um, huh? Nick Lowe <laughs> overlooking things. What? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. So there was also a lot of the discussion from the community and you just kind of referenced it in your recap of the way they wrote the character, considering that they were dealing with alternative worlds that there would be a world where everything was the same as before. And that gives us that little bit of quote, reasonable doubt as to our mayday being the mayday of this storyline and subsequent stories. It's led to many trying to dismiss this and it's understandable. And I will talk a lot more about, about that next episode of a specific thing that was said and why the story was in uh, spider Island was structured the way it was. So it was, and I do want to mention, like, and we'll talk about it when we're on Spider uh, in Spider Island. But in Spider Island, I do believe May has brown eyes. Yes. Yes, and as we see her every other time in Spider Verse, she does have brown eyes, but in this issue, they are blue. Yeah, which is again, um, that's you know, that's my my thoughts are fairly short on this. It, you know, they did a good job. It's well written. It's well structured. I mean, Tom DeFalco can make any can make a put a lot in a five page story, or how, I don't know however many pages this was, uh, or ten page story, however many pages it was. Um, they did a good job, uh, and they wanted to provide that reasonable doubt. They wanted to be able to do that. And to Nick Lowe's credit, they gave him them that ability to do so. And yeah. they kind of and and you know we give 
McClough a lot of grief on this network for a lot of very things. And a lot of it's justified. Well, I'm going to be perfectly honest and, you know, and we'll go into this towards the end too, because it's a large part of my discussion, but the issue that I have is there seems to be a lot of inaction when it comes to Mr. Lowe, especially on things where female characters are dismissed and treated as objects. And I think at this point, the inaction is almost just as offensive as the actual action. And I think if he was a responsible editor, he might want to actually look at that critically. Yeah, there's a lot of the laissez-faire, you know, hands-off editing that Nick Lowe is now known for. Let's be real. Um, And it's really prevalent here. Basically, he lets the writers do whatever they want to do. And Wayland does not even like that either. So if you know the background Um, and because of that, because of the way that he edits, you have situations like with Spencer. Spencer was able to do whatever he wanted. Slot was able to do whatever he wanted. And now we have Wells doing whatever he wanted. And so it's it's that it's that double edged sword with it. And instead of, you know, saying, okay, I am the shepherd of the characters. And I have to be a gatekeeper and say, this idea does not work. It just doesn't feel like that Nick Lowe says no to a lot of things. I think he says no to the things, to some things. Oh, I mean, yeah, other than other than marriages and and Peter and Mary Jane being. Well, I mean, remember, I mean, he was he said everything had to stay in this bunker. I, I think that there are certain things that he will be told he has to do. Right. And say no to. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yes, Neil. Really quick. Um, if, if I were a writer, I would actually appreciate like having a longer leash just to kind of go bonkers with ideas. But when it comes to actually executing those ideas and uh, more hands on editor is needed to. You restrain. need a response. You need someone who's responsible, especially for these, I guess, line wide crossovers at least, or office wide crossovers. We have multiple writers working on a project. We need and, coordination. And and I'm, we're going to get into that, too, a little bit more, Neil, because it kind of leads down a little bit further down in my notes. Um, about things that were said by Tom and Ron in that old interview that are yeah. absolutely pertinent here. And they are. Um. And, and, and overall with this story. So Kelly, I'll let you get to your, to your, yeah, I, I do need to get into my thoughts. Cause I have, I'm very wordy in all of 11 pages of our notes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the thing that irks me here so much is just dis- this dismissive nature of May's whole situation from the damn get go. Everyone is telling May she's so angry and she's so inappropriate. Um, But put yourself in her shoes. And this is not even just this issue. Like, this is happening prior to that as well. Like, since the beginning, everyone's been dismissing her anger, which is disgusting to me. Um, But it's here, you know, but put yourself in May's shoes. She's just lost her family. These monsters who killed her family have also kidnapped her brother now. And these people who claim to be heroes, who claim to be there for her and have even told her that they were basically family did absolutely nothing but pick lint from their belly buttons. May isn't being unreasonable. She's not being some vengeful, hateful thing. She's not some angry emo teenager having a temper tantrum. Everything is dismissing her trauma 
her grief. They are gaslighting the heck out of her. A lot of what we see from the same editors today. You can listen to past episodes to hear me rightfully criticize Mr. Lowe, but it's telling it's very telling how we're talking about an issue from 2015, and the same could be said here applies to a particular death that happened this year in Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I don't know why teen girls are being treated like this. I don't know why they're being, why it's kind of dismissive and it's painting them as either negative hellions or they die as martyrs so that grown adult men can sleep with their masks in these books that low edits, but things have kind of gotten really alarmingly messed up and it's gross you know teenage girls are people who like they are they're people i mean who shouldn't be sexualized they have emotions they shouldn't and their emotions shouldn't be dismissed they shouldn't be cannon fodder to fridge in a story uh to move a marketing point forward that's why spider girls a series was so important and struck so many she mattered a young girl that they could see themselves in as a hero, not as an object to ogle or an attention-hungry anger bomb. The bad, like, the bad guy for mess, you know, the bad guy for messing up the vibes. Teenage girls, ew. Uh, you know, are women just in general that get treated like this about everything. And this boys club that Amazing Spider-Man editorial has turned into has become so toxic and dismissive of that. And rereading these has just proven that this has been this way for a very, very long time. I'm just tired and burned out and being reminded of how long women in Spider-Man have been painted since Nick Lowe has had his editorial tenure is really sad. I'm glad the writing here brings that forth very, very clearly. And how when paired with the interviews and the knowledge that we have, it paints a picture about how structured some stories are with these characters that they have to be uh, like a bit of a tangent. <laughs> oh, bit of a Okay. I'm like, I have such like, this is such word vomit on the page. Um, but <laughs> This is a bit of a tangent, uh, but a thing that popped into my head when I wrote this. You know, I'll never sit here and agree that Marvel never treated May with the same respect that they treat Gwen, because that's not the case. Circumstances were different. Um, but, you know, later we'll see that Gwen and Cindy get to go to Loom World whenever they want. Who cares? Yeah. No one questions them, which I have a huge problem with story-wise. Because this is set first. This was published first. It is so disjointed and weird. But the thing with the thing with that, so the thing with that happening, like, yes, I could understand someone reading those two issues and going, see, they're letting Gwen do everything. Why is Gwen doing everything? This should have been a May story. And we'll touch base on that as well. But the thing is, is they do this to Gwen, like currently now in 2023, all the time, um, you know, and this. Gwen gets the same crap that happened to May here and treatment only this time the system is rigged so that way Gwen's story can't keep going forward she gets maybe six to ten issues and then she restarts it never keeps going you know where May constantly got to keep going because the fans mattered there you know and we actually fought for her that could not happen today the system is completely different it's completely rigged um, well, and, and in and this case, since 2014, May, I would not, I would hate for Mayday to have to be restarted in, in today's Marvel world with the way everything's structured for a female character. And yeah. this, this is an example of this because they're treating May here like they treat every other female character today. 
And like, it's not just this issue. It really isn't. Like, it's not this no. issue's written beautifully, but it highlights on every, on the way that she's treated from the beginning of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it is a, it, it's a bit of a response to, you know, cause they get they okay. Tom and Ron get the entire plot sent to them about, you know, what, where's going, what's going, where yada, yada, in case they need to reference things for continuity's sake. And it becomes this whole bit of like, okay, does this make sense for the character? And none of it does. Well, I mean, because, we'll talk about this. Like, yeah, story-wise, truly story-wise, you start this on May losing the most. She still, out of everybody, lost the most. She deserved to be the lead. She deserved to drive the story. Does she drive this story? It almost feels the entire time you check in with her. She's ready to go. She's ready for action. And she's being told no constantly. She's being dismissed. She's being told she's crazy. She's acting inappropriately. She's so angry. Why is she so angry? I don't know, man. Maybe less than like, I think this whole thing technically takes place in 36 hours. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. And it's Mm -hmm. inappropriate. Well, and I mean, and and I'll, we'll, we'll touch base on that too. Like on just like, I guess my stance on it, but it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's maddening because then we'll see like, not everybody's being treated the same. No, there's a disproportionate, um, like to me, It, talking about it in general, because I don't talk about it necessarily in the notes, but talking about this this story in general, this was I wanted it to be a superior Spider-Man story, but I was told that I couldn't. So I'm having to shoehorn a bunch of superior Spider-Man nonsense into this story and have this dichotomy between Peter and, and Ock and they're kind of the stars, which granted, OK, it's, an, it's the book says Amazing Spider-Man. Peter should be the star of the book, but half the time he gets sidelined, too. It seems he, like he has the least, and he he has the least to lose in this entire situation. Yes, the stakes are the which lowest. Of, which, of course, you know, I guess somebody could say, "Oh, but he was dating Cindy at the time." No, 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 they he weren't. Wasn't. They were just he was dating screwing. Anna Maria. And he, they, they were not dating. <laughs> Take it from the silk guy, okay? Like they were not dating. No, this is and not- so. Like I said, it's it, it's does not make sense it just really doesn't you you hinder like that's you know when we talk about the shock and awe and our anger and the shock and awe and how it didn't matter in part one this is what we mean absolutely let's so let's just go ahead and knock this this uh, rundown down yeah Yeah. let's let's finish our uh breakdown so we can kind of get into this discussion because my my long monologue as y'all call it (laughs) listen there is times to to pepper in thoughts, and then there is times to let let the person speak, and that is that is what I, what I what I mean by that monologue. So we'll we'll talk. Like I said, we'll we'll talk because I kind of had to do some inner searching, inner therapy to figure out why I was so angry. Yeah, and I I, I I hopefully hit the nail on the head. Hopefully, I make everybody understand. <laughs> it's. There it's we really go. Up. Okay, so I'm going to be doing the rundowns for the rest. Yes. 
of this. Uh, we're going to do the rundowns and then we're going to give our general thoughts because try to get through this. I am going to be a little snarky. So buckle up buttercup. All right. Amazing Spider-Man volume three, number 13 legacy numbering seven forty six. I think I don't remember uh, spider verse part five, Spider-Man no more written by Dan slot art by Giuseppe Kemencoli and Cam Smith with Justin Ponsor on colors. This was released on January 21st, 2015, the same day that the previous issue that we just talked about came out, uh, cover dated March of 2015. The issue opens on Loom World, where the rest of the inheritors are telling Solus how much they had failed. Bindi, Benji here is the right age, and for once here, crying. He basically brushes this off and tells... Uh, once. Once. He's also blonde. Can we yeah, bring blonde. that up? Yeah, He's blonde. now blonde. He's now blonde. He's gone, he's gone from a brunette to a redhead to a blonde in uh, 36 hours. He's the Carly Cooper of uh, little boys <laughs> getting hair changes. This is true. Uh, this is this is poor poor Justin Ponsor. I mean, he's trying to keep up, but I don't think uh, yeah, the, I don't know how much direction he got. So um, basically, uh, Solus brushes off all this quote unquote failure and tells tells everyone that uh, you know the spiders are going to die. So buck up buttercup meanwhile on earth 3145 peter is trying to figure out how to tell this uncle ben who's alive and he tells his story basically everything happens until the green goblin of uncle has been aka the emerald elf killed his may and peter he gives up after this and is approached by ezekiel sims and told to hunker down in the bunker only to allow Otto octavius to cause a nuclear catastrophe Peter remarks that he got these scrolls from Jessica Drew hiding on Loom World, so this makes Silk feel bad. Her and Gwen decide, hey, we're going to take off and go to Loom World and because plot. Uh, a brief conversation with Spider-Man India and Spider-UK happens for like a page or two. Meanwhile, Otto thinks he can figure out the writing on the scroll himself because he uses... Peter sees that Otto's computer from 2099 has Anna Maria Marconi's face because that's not creepy at all. And Otto deduces that Peter isn't actually from earlier in the timeline, but rather later in the timeline where Peter actually wins. So uh, foreshadowing. Anya figures out that she can read the scrolls because the plot demanded it and that they need they need the bride, a.k.a. Silk, the Scion, a.k.a. Benji, and the other, a.k.a. Kane. Peter suddenly sees that Silk wandered off and we cut to Earth 802 where the last three issues of Scroll of Spiders miniseries have taken place. Ben is killed and Kane gets mad and goes to Loom World because like, he's mad that Ben dies, leaving Ultimate Jessica behind at uh, Genix's uh, cloning facility world thing. The Inheritors really get excited when Kane shows up because they can smell it. Mayday is like, y'all, my brother is on Loom World and we need to get him back. Hello. Some of them stay behind to go off to their adventure for the first story of Spider-Man team up number three. Kane then gets a call from Peter and, bas and basically tells Kane to stand down, but Kane says basically to F off and decides to become the other. Kane, as the other, kills Solas. Kane is then killed in response. The girls, Silk, Jessica, and Gwen are trying to sneak around and get caught up with the remaining inheritors. Cut back to the bunker and we have Mayday saying, hey, we sh we are what are we waiting for? And Peter is being, Peter has to have this uncle has been come with him and then they get a pep talk by Otto, quote unquote and he tries to sneak away by to saying the final line which peter says spider friends go for it because you know we didn't kill off the spider friends two months ago the end uh asm 14 spider verse part six is titled web warriors uh this time they have oliver Capiel is uh along for the ride as well as giuseppe camincoli wave on Grom Badger and Cam Smith and Liv Sayer on the inks. Justin Ponsor is on the colors. We have Gwen in danger with goblins, and Peter starts to freak out. 
And Gwyn, who is unmasked between issues, finishes off the goblins and May is like, enough. They have their brother and Silk. They might also have Kane, and this ritual might be going on. So, hey, let's, you know, quit, you know, protecting Spider-Gwen and actually start, you know, moving this plot along. Apparently, uh, they have the soul, the crystal of Solus, and he will rise again. Morland starts the ceremony and tells the brothers to keep the spiders at bay. Starting with Silk, he slices her hand open. Miles and company show up, and Ultimate Jessica Drew finds Kane's costume. She says, no more men or women have to die today, but pigs apparently are fair game because we have to have a weird joke in a really serious conversation, even though Ham tried to clarify. Poor Ham. Um, Silk was captured, and she's bound by the webbing. Her hand is cut, blood flows. It looks like Benji, who is now a baby again, is about to get sliced open. Peter saves Benji and him, and auto attack. Uh, Diemos... Uh, is his but he gets uh is also attacked but he gets taken out this opens up mayday to start attacking uh morlin has been avoiding the 616 and peter and asks for some help ben to, uh uncle has been teleports away karn suddenly returns that side mission from team up number three coming into play uh morlin tries to resume but the web is starting to heal morlin goes to kill benji but in fact it's not benji it's a naked spider ham things that uh, i don't think any of us ever wanted to see Turns out Uncle Hasbin has teleported Benji all the way home. He makes a little three little piggies reference. Spider Ham does explaining. Peter says that everything is going to his plan. 2099 and Steampunk uh, Aunt May show up with the repair to Leo Pardon. Uh, Mayday grabs the crystal from Diemos and learns that it's his father in the palm of her hands. So is she going to you know have her revenge story or not? Otto then decides to kill the Master Weaver and everybody starts freaking out. This causes Mayday to snap out of her vengeance to her and she unmasks to proclaim that she is the daughter of Spider-Man. Because she is that, she will not destroy the crystal. Moreland starts to attack Peter and Peter opens the portal to Earth 3145. Moreland is shocked, thinking that Peter wouldn't actually kill him because he said it multiple times. And he points out that the shelter is nearby and that, that that will keep them alive. Cindy then saves his ass. The rest of the inheritors are thrown into the place. Mayday then throws the crystal to have Deimos chase it. So much for not destroying the crystal, possibly. Uh, kind of making her contradict herself. Ham then tells Mayday how proud her dad would be of her. And we have Cindy and Peter holding hands to end the issue. Can Also, can we put um, Peter Porker in jail, please? Peter Porker they in jail? They weren't dating. <laughs> <laughs> I just need, I need, I need Spider Ham to go to jail. He's V. Be- he's terribly creepy he's trying i I get it he was also like like, i mean he was also naked yeah why is he naked man i didn't need a naked spider he he wanted to pretend to be a baby but that we'll we'll talk well well, it's very confusing Um, and the artwork does not help and look oliver copiel has done some great artwork over the years oh oh, when when um when um morland said he had a good left hoof i my brain did not go to oh he he punched him (laughs) oh boy anyway so uh, he needs to go to jail (laughs) go to jail go directly to jail do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars all right 
Amazing Spider-Man 15, Spider-Verse, Epilogue, Slots the Writer, Cam and Cully is on pencils, Cam Smith and Roberto Pergoe is on inks, Justin Ponsor returns on colors. Our issue opens with Spider-UK opening a portal to Earth-982. Mayday is trying to apologize to Earth-616 Peter about her outburst towards him earlier, apparently, and Peter brushes it off, acknowledging that she's been through the biggest ringer and that she didn't let it break her, and she's become the most spectac- one of the most spectacular people he knows. She tells her, uh, he tells her to go home and her brother's waiting for her. Uncle has been is there and he tells her that there were two people who refused to let go of the little guy. MJ and Wes are alive. Hooray. She wonders if there's any way that Peter is alive. And we learned that he did in fact die. I mean, we saw the body ultimately, unfortunately. So Ben asks if there's any way he can stay and be something that Ben Parker has ever been a grandfather. Mayday is suddenly cool with him. We learned that what did survive the fire, her dad's suit quote, my name is May Mayday Parker. And today, my story begins anew. From this moment on, I am Spider-Woman. Excuse me. I had to make a morphing sound. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that statement. Anyway, um, Reader's Digest of the rest of the issue. Otto just tries, just tries to destroy the... This is not in a particular order. I just started listing things off. I mean, you really don't have to go through it if you don't want to. Nah, it doesn't fine. matter. It really they all doesn't. go home the end. Yeah, they go home. They don't get lasting damaging impacts to their world. That's the true. End. Uh, Otto, I'll just go ahead and do it. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. fine. For completionist's sake. Um, Otto tries to destroy the web of life in a rage because he figured out he loses. Turns out that Karn is the master weaver and he takes on his role on again of sort of Captain Britain, a.k.a. Spidey UK, sees that his world has in fact been destroyed thanks to Secret Wars 3, the one that no one asked for. Peter beats Superior and sends him back to the time from which he came, which was apparently Superior Spider-Man number 19, thanks to the little editor's box. We learn that the Inheritors are not, in fact, dead. We saw the Bugs first in Spider-Verse team up, thanks to Tom and Ron asking where that came from in the original script. No, seriously, they saw that in the overall original script and said, hey, where did you introduce these Bugs in? Oh, no, thank you for pointing it out. That really helps us. Literally, Tom and Ron bailed them out in a bind that they themselves created. Kane isn't dead again. Uh, Billy Braddock and Aranya stay up to set up Secret Wars Spider-Verse. Peter swings off to start working on Parker Industries again. So goes to work at Fact Channel. Jess leaves to go do something. I don't remember. Uh, Peter then stops a mugging and the issue ends. And if you're reading the hardcover, it collects the next three issues of the volume unless you count the spiral issues, which go on for five more issues. It's really weird how they... If you're reading in a Marvel Unlimited, you're going, why is the numbering the way it is? Just pay no mind. The end. Kelly... I'm going to shut up for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh boy, I, gosh, I'm, I'm over it. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so here's some random thoughts while reading these issues before I go into my big thing, uh, on issue 13, why is Benji blonde now? Oh, Peter's allowed to be emotional over uncle bunker, but may, you know, May is having a temper tantrum. All right. And, it, you know, it's also okay for Silk and Spider-Gwen to go to Loom World because Jessica willingly took a broken teleporter and that's guilt-tripping Cindy just so bad, you know. But, oh, hell no. The one who needs to save her baby brother is overreacting. Also, like, she wouldn't just see or notice them leaving and demand to go. I just... Yuck. All right. So then in issue 14, Benji is now de-aged again and has a tuft of blonde hair again. May does have brown eyes again in this issue. And apparently it's only after seeing Otto kill the web weaver does she seemingly come back to her senses. You know, but 
She's been acting sane this whole damn time. It's actually far more insane and out of character to just snap all back together. You know, after all this intense pain and trauma the last 36, 48 hours to magically be healed all because who the hell would want to be like Otto? Which, saying that out loud, fair, I wouldn't want to be Otto either, but the abrupt change is very jarring and clunky. And then in issue 15, well, it's all very weird to be fair. Did Normie buy Aunt Anna's old house next door to let everyone hide out so uh, MJ could just put a Spider-Man costume in the hall hallway cupboard? No real thought to this part of the story was given here. Just we need to, you know, basically shoehorn this in because someone somewhere said, you know, this needed to happen and clearly was still mad Mayday had not become Spider-Woman yet. And so they just make her Spider-Woman in the most shoehorned way possible because F you Spider-Girl fandom. But I digress. Here's my thing after reading this and rereading this and even acknowledge, you know, and it's even acknowledged in the story, yet nothing is done with it. This story starts with one character losing the absolute most and could easily lead this story with this narrative consistently. But throw it all out the window for a random guy who just gets sucked in with nothing to lose in this, really. Peter has no skin in this game. No random, you know, like, just no. But he has to be the leader and he has to be the chosen one because the writers said so. I just want to make it clear how, as we are all reading this, it's simple to see that the better story, the higher stakes that really banked on the shock value of destroying May's life was with May. But she's relegated to being a NPC and a cardboard cutout of a character rather than using her narrative to build an emotionally intelligent and compelling story. You end May's story with her getting a new suit uh, or Peter's old suit, uh, but getting a new suit, telling her she's a woman now after all of this trauma, something that I could, and honestly, screw it, will equate to what a lot of teenage girls deal with here when it comes to not supporting them when the male gaze forces them to grow up. You know, we constantly get, you know, there's tons of stories from women where they will tell you that as young as 13, 14, they had people assault them, harass them, grope them at a concert, follow them home uh, from the movies, a teacher from high school telling them that they had a nice ass or a nice rack, you know, that lead singer from the concert offering them VIP passes for their friends if they'll hang with them in their trailer. Instead of pushing back on the narrative and telling these uh, grown adults that you know who do this to teenagers are wrong you have movies and pop culture glorifying it and telling these girls that they should only be so lucky to have that attention and to grow up quickly so they can perform and serve these kinds of people these grown adults who objectify and defile the innocence of a teenage girl that's what this story felt like it was doing uh to mayday to me by giving her spider woman at the end call me crazy dismiss me like like everyone did to Mayday. Maybe I'm overreaching a bit, but hear me out. I grew up in a time where the sexy teen was a punchline, yet something girls were supposed to strive to be. How it was normalized that a grown man would just lust over a child, and it was like it was the child's fault. She might look like a grown woman, or what they want a grown woman to look like. So it's got to be her fault, right? It's not the adult loser's that are lusting over her, you know, i.e., an example, 
look at Britney Spears. Think about her being 16, 17 on her first Rolling Stone cover. You forgot she started her career at 15, 16 years old out the gate dressed like that, didn't you? Or that the fashion was also pandered and pushed on other girls even younger than that. In fairness, it's still being done today. Look at your most popular celebs and influencers. Spider-Girl was one of those stories and one of those characters that didn't play to that disgusting male gaze narrative. And it didn't, sh you know, didn't show that part of pop culture from that time. It was a safe place for young girls. It was a safe place for me. I was a kid and a teen who grew up in the height of that. And to be frank, it was pushed on me and other girls to grow up so quickly. And that had a damaging effect on my generation, even to this day. Me Too isn't just flashy smoke. It, it, it's not just a buzzword. See, I never wanted to grow up and deal with those looks or those people. And I felt safe in my comic bubble. But by 2014, um, I had already passed, you know, being 18, 19 years old, uh, who was primed to be taken advantage of and abused by how pop culture groomed us, forcing us to be women when really we're just still girls. And I was dealing, as I do today, with that trauma and that abuse, you know, that that abuse gave me. So to show a character who I loved and saw myself in her and seeing her be ripped away from her world, be relegated to being told to stand around and wait by men, gaslighting her pain and trauma and the very real threats that, you know, her very, these very real threats and fear she had to then just let other characters do whatever is insulting. These men who would also not take a stand to help minimize the trauma, despite the fact that they promised her that they'd protect her and help her just moments before, just panels before. Even some characters claiming she's family to them. It was maddening to see someone at Marvel, you know, that someone at Marvel thought this was all justified for giving her the Spider-Woman title. You know, claiming that all this gaslighting and this trauma that May goes through is all okay in the end because now she's proven herself to be a woman. It hit a little close to home and not in the way I think they wanted it to. Even though she's still just 16, she's a woman now. I want that to really sink in on how icky that feels. It's not empowering. It's not emboldening. It's sexist. It's objectifying. It's minimizing and diminishing a character's legacy for what exactly? At 24, I wanted May protected from the things I went through that I was going that I was currently going through and dealing with in 2015. She protected Mayday and her story protected me as long as she could in a way that these stories were were there for me growing up, showing me someone who wasn't exploited and treated like an object, like the way women, teen girls seem to be in most media even to this day. May wasn't protected and in some ways it made me feel like I failed her as a fan. The, the sting that this had, has had on me is long gone, mostly. The story does seem to invoke a kind of traumatic response out of me. The story was rough. It broke our little 982 world into tiny pieces, and now we get to see how other people try to glue it back together. Like a lot of people like me have to do to actually reclaim ourselves after our own trauma. While, you know, there still could be an amazing story here in Mayday reclaiming her name and her narrative, and I think there still is a good story here, but with the current direction and some editors still hanging around being excited to fridge another teenage girl 
another teenage character, this story will never be told appropriately. Not without someone who cares and not without Tom, Ron, and everyone else who wrote and defined Spider-Girl. And that's my monologue, Zach. Done. <laughs> I have the unfortunate task <laughs> of having to follow that up. And I think what she says is wonderfully said, and it's things that need to be said. And I want to thank you, Kelly, for sharing that here. I know it's not easy to pour your heart out like that, but it, and it's, that is a really raw thing. There's parts of this I cannot identify with what Kelly's saying here, being simply a male. But I think my perspective has changed over the years and my thoughts aren't exactly the same as they were in 2015 because I wasn't a dad of a little girl and Gabby wasn't born yet. Like literally as this was coming out, Gabby was in the in the oven cooking. Um, when I listened to the episode that Tom and Ron, uh, we did with Tom and Ron on Mayday Mondays, while we were out, out of respect for Gerard, we tried not to mention it. Um, but it's so such a big deal to mention it in these particular contexts because it there's questions in that episode that directly reference what we're talking about here. Um, go find it on Spotify. I encourage you all to listen to it because it's a real, it's a raw interview, and it encapsulates a lot of not only Tom and Ron's feelings, but the feelings of two guys who love this world. And in my case, a guy who was at the forefront of trying to show the world what it could be. They brought us back to the fact that in Spider-Girl 75, we were supposed to have made a transition from being Spider-Girl to being Spider-Woman. At the 11th hour, it wasn't just going to be the black costume debuting. It was going to be the debut of a new direction for the for the title. The 11th hour Marvel backtracked, given that the outcry there was an outcry online. The fans weren't happy, and even casual fans weren't happy. We have discussed in great detail the issues that occurred when they tried they foisted upon readers Aranya's new name. We, they also brought up a point that I will try to encapsulate here. That there is a difference between comics being a craft and comics being an art form. A craft means you have to develop it. That you have to let the characters drive the stories. Not the plot driving the characters. And for some one-off or else worlds, you can explore uh, the, you know, the... the the care the plot driving the characters but if you're writing a sequential story that the baton is being passed to you you have the responsibility of trying to make the characters make sense that isn't what happened here and throughout most of slots run it didn't happen there there's this fanboy belief that darkness is good that light light is boring it has been done watchman yo is the greatest thing ever dark knight returns was awesome and sure those stories are fun in a vacuum but think about what happened here you took characters that were fun and represented joy such as the spider friends and killed them off for shock value fans of spider-man unlimited the same and trust me i've learned over the last couple of years that 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 cartoon has a has a fan base and here in earth 982 the classic spirit of the marvel universe of yesteryear was represented by what was going on on the page and that spirit was taken down for two reasons. Mayday needs to go through some stuff and we need to make her interesting. We have to make her conform to our darkness that we've infected the rest of the Marvel universes with. She's going to zig instead of zag. The thoughts I will be expressing here at this point are my own thoughts. They're my own. They don't reflect anyone else's. But I have wondered over the years if the success of the digest bred a tinge of jealousy in other people. Spider-Girl was making a bunch of money until Scholastic, 
Kalastic got greedy and killed the vibes. Spider-Girl, once in the hands of the mass market, it was as, as it was always intended to be sold. The concept was proven. Kelly McDaniel was part of that proof of concept. Technically, I was buying the ploppies. But yes, yes but, I was young. I was young. I was very You're the young. target audience. Yeah. And it getting out there for a lot of girls that didn't necessarily go to comic shops with their dad like you did. That's what I mean. Um, Spider-Girl fans rallying were the spiritual successors of the 60s Mary Marvel Marching Society, the bullpen myth, and everything that was good and lionized about classic Marvel. And then this damn insistence in making her into a Spider-Woman is freaking the freaking antithesis of what the character was. Spider-Woman as a name has the stink of death, as Tom once put it. Marvel feels like they have to break the toys instead of finding new avenues. It's lazy, it's overdone, and it took away what was unique about this universe. And the, Kelly brings up that sinister implication that we have to have her be Spider-Woman because we demanded it. Nobody that I knew in the Spider-Girl community ever demanded that she grow up and become Spider-Woman. Well, you know, and I've, I've touched on this. There is a certain editor that I believe is still at Marvel. Yes. Is he not? Yeah. yeah. That um, has, on his own personal blog, been very upset with Spider-Girl fans for not liking a particular issue that was guest written and drawn, where a 15-year-old, because it was before her 16th birthday, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so she's 15. Yeah. She's in the shower. And it's all steamy around the important areas, but it's a very long, drawn-out page of panels of her in the shower. And I believe it's like three panels on the page, right? Yes. It, it's a lot. Like, I mean, it's for this to be a young woman. I still find that icky. I yeah. I don't, I think, I mean, honestly, just that alone should be reason enough to dismiss that issue. It, it's inappropriate. Um, but, you know, you have people that are up at the top still that think we're we're too harsh on stuff like that. And it makes you wonder, OK, well, what do you want? Why do you want her to be Spider-Woman so bad? Is it because you want to feel justified in your lust over this fictional character? You want to be able to do these boom animatics to make me think the wrong thing, to quote Bare Naked Ladies? Um, you know, what is I the, like, you know what I mean? Like what, yeah. what is I, the point? I don't. And then to, to, to traumatize her to this extent and go, see, you've gone through all this extreme trauma. You're a woman now is very, that's what I meant by sinister. Cause I'm yes. glad that you touched base, but like, I just want to make sure that that's clear that that's what I mean. Like, I know, I really don't think anybody on the creative team, like I don't think slots intention by doing this and for all we know this could have been something that got forced on them to do um but like i don't think slot's intention was to go oh see now that she's a woman you can be disgusting with her i don't think that was the case but the case is still you're basically stating that someone has to go through really traumatic things to grow up and i don't think that that's the right story we need to tell and look, I, I can understand wanting to watch Mayday grow up and become, 
you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, go to college, things like that. I can understand people wanting to see that happen, but this is not the story that should have been the trigger to make her into spider woman. She's not, uh, and they tried doing this with Gwen too. Uh, let's, let's not, you know, I mean, they, every time Gwen showed up, she was always listed as spider woman of earth 65 even though they never marketed her as Spider-Woman, hardly ever, all the time it was Spider-Gwen. Well, if the name is so great, why are we doing the marketing as it the is? The name is only great for Jessica. Yes. Yes. Because, I mean, they they, they removed uh, the name from from uh, 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 Julia. So uh, in Maddie Franklin, they tried, they tried doing Spider-Woman, which was a little weird and a little disgusting. I'm not going to lie, especially with the way burn is and we could go in a whole hour into that i actually posted about that in the chat while you were... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw yeah Not, the private but... chat oh no i put that i put that in the group i put oh, that in the good. stream chat good yeah, good, no, no. good listen and, and i know we got we got like marcy and, and professor and they are fans of maddie and, and I, I i love y'all i do genuinely but this is not this was not the story and and i think wh why we why we're saying it this way and why we're analyzing it this way is to try to explain to those people that came in with this story hey this is, doesn't work cuz i'll be honest i didn't do a good job as a fan at the time when this was coming out i don't feel i we did an adequate enough job we just leaned into the outrage and because it was very raw and very real and happening at the time. But now with the beauty of hindsight, we can sit there and say, okay, this is why we were outraged. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So uh, like well, at the end of the all of us were, all of us were angry. All of us were shocked. Um, yes. And yes. it, it took a lot. And I mean, and that's kind of the thing is like, I always try to not think about things in anger and I think I did a lot better this time than last episode, but the issue at hand is like, there is a lot to be angry about. I know that this, this was a lot of people's first introduction to Mayday, but this is not Mayday. And I think and that, we've made that really clear. Like the amount of time she sits there and she keeps saying, yeah, I want to kill. Uh, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. This is my thing. Even after all of this, because yeah, that was so out of character, but even now it's like, okay, I get it. I get how traumatized she was. I get the fear. I get the grief. I get everything. However, obviously glad she didn't do it. But the way that they make her recognize that that was her grief and her anger talking is so anticlimactic to say the least. Yeah. In my um, brain, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I think of like the spirit of Aunt May that we saw at the end of Amazing. You know, you, you, if this was written in, with continuity in mind, I, I could see the spirit of Aunt May going, listen, I understand you're mad. And that internal internal monologue, had there been more to, the, to, to her part of the story? And, and again, this kind of goes into my next point that I was going to make in my notes. At the end of the day, the story, this story, what the story proves is you can have an idea and it can be fun and it can be great. But does it work as a Spider-Man idea? or a spider girl story can it be a good story or will it collapse on its weight of how much you cram in um this this 
concept succeeds in other media by precisely doing and going against what they did here. Proof that some ideas can be done well, but if they're character-driven instead of plot-driven, that's a difference. There's a great example in the MCU of the Civil War. The comics are not good, but the MCU movie is strong because it's far more character-driven. And at the end of the day, I don't blame the segment of the fan base that says Spider-Girl ended with the end because that gave us a rare thing in comics, an ending to a story. There is yeah. a reason that they, the guys wrote the team-up story the way they did. It was to give us hope after this darkness took over, to give us that reasonable doubt, to try to say this is wrong, but in a respectful and tactful way. <laughs> and I'm aware that many people found the character through this story. And what we are doing here is not to dump on it or be, for being a gateway, but to show that just because they bring a fan favorite in doesn't mean that your favorite will be treated with respect. And that is the end of my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, as a Ben Riley fan, I mean, that's proof positive over the last several years. You know, sometimes you get that monkey's paw. We, oh, really, we really need to ask Nick Lowe what is like, what did Ben Riley do to him? <laughs> we really do. We really uh, he do. Didn't, he didn't Baja blast hard enough. Oh, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> didn't get the Doritos Locos tacos from Taco Bell. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> dude. He made, no, no. Ben Riley was working at the Taco Bell and made his order wrong. Into the psycho. He goes. He goes to Nick Lowe and goes, Here, "Here's your psychoreactive goo, Mister Lowe." <laughs> that was one of Ben Riley's odd jobs when, when he yeah, came back. He worked at Taco York. Bell. He worked at Taco Bell. He was working it. with Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh, like it's eleven. It's a, you know, and it's funny because I'm seeing in the comments like Professor uh, Professor Onsor is like, okay, when you guys put it that way, I understand now. And I, and I, ho I hope that, that there's so many people that see that and, and kind of, and I hope we've done our job in that regard. Exactly. And I'm, like I said, I know I flew off the handle nice in part one because things were shocking and upsetting and apparently still very shocking and upsetting. Out of the edge. Um, and even in this where things just fizzle out and get shoehorned to put a placement, I'll put an end. It's yeah. Spider-Verse sucks. The Spider-Verse had all the potential in the world as a concept, but it, even it, bad even execution in a multimedia sense, Spider-Verse is perfect to just create toys. But the problem is, is that slot, made the toys or he co-opted the toys is a better way of putting it well, and I'm then this, way, this wasn't this wasn't like i don't i don't care what slot says this wasn't his idea okay no this mm -hmm. came straight down from marketing saying hey we've got an idea for a summer blockbuster let's do it and they brought the team together and slot was writing asm mm -hmm. now I'm not saying that, you know, the ideas that they came up with, because there's good bones. I've stated this. There is good bones yeah. in the story. The yeah. issue at hand is things didn't get the appropriate attention. Things weren't cleaned up. And quite frankly, they were told to put in as many Spider-Man as possible. So IP. So they could make those toys. So they could do something with it at one point, yeah. which, of course, well, that, it that... turned into be good IP. It was a good idea marketing wise, bad execution. And this is why you shouldn't let marketing dictate what you write and, and that's kind of where i was going with that was that um 
where like the movie the movie spider-verse succeeds is that it focuses on one character and um it, it develops around that main character and like through two others and then three kind of gimmick characters for comedy the problem with spider-verse aside from mayday's arc which is an entire beast unto itself is that it has like 12 different spider people it wants to focus on and they're kind of all fighting for attention and page i mean mayday unfortunately is one of those characters unfortunately um but like it this is my thing if as you know as we know focusing on a main thing like the movie had miles if we had mainly focused on mayday and her story because she had the most to lose and she did lose the most that she didn't get back immediately that would have made a far more compelling story it would have been far more emotionally intelligent the character would have pushed this story forward she was the only character that really could have pushed this forward and yet we get Otto in peter's body and 616 peter having a dick measuring contest yes yeah, so that's what i was about to say you could have cut this entire thing in like in half half of the story is just peter and Otto like yanking each other's chains hoping to gain control of the narrative which which is odd because you just literally not even six months prior had just, just done brought the, him back yeah. yeah yeah you just brought up you so again it's Slot was so devoted to his original concept of, of the superior Spider-Man leading everything in and it collapsing and, a, you know, and, and them having to push things back for narrative sake. Uh, it, it, I mean, because we talked about it, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon tying into this whole web warriors thing and then trying to sho shove it into where everything's coming out at the same time. Like, and, and Marcy brings up a good point that Silk, is a fun character okay not in this story in this story she's awful but over, overall good character but she doesn't really but contribute she, a whole lot to the story aside no, from moving no, the plot. She, no she contributes so much you know by breaking um multiple multiverse wristbands and also being the bride because there's no implications to that at all Hillary bride Sorry. See, and that, but that's another, that's a whole other situation, which of course I said in part one, yeah. that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of weird things here. And I think ultimately we're just going to be winding up talking in a circle. The story um, is fat. The story is the short form equivalent of what the worst parts of like the clone saga are. It's a first or, draft and it should have been edited heavily. To me, if, if you if you had stripped it down to like six characters, like what we saw Sony do, right? You had six characters that's that's somewhat manageable. And even even um the most recent film kind of stripped things down to like four or five characters, six characters, and then the rest of them kind of show up at the end, right? It, it's very difficult to write a story in this scope or scale. You look at guys like Marv Wolfman and Jeff Johns that have done these big type of epic stories. Not everybody can do that. And it's not slot strong suit. Never has been. And so to ask him to try to do this story the justice that it would deserve is kind of setting some some people up to fail. And unfortunately, you know, I, I have perfect. I mean, we, we've seen with the uh, last hero standing and last planet standing in the MC too that certain writers can handle these type of events, but slots not one of them. 
Say what you will. And so um, at the end of the day, I mean, we can kind of, like, like Kelly said, we can talk in circles. We can go another hour trying to talk our way through this story. I mean, it's just going to keep going over and over and over again. Yeah, and and so we're gonna, and honestly, I think we, this is my thing. We've, we've done this. We've gotten over it. We finished it. We've expressed ourselves. And now it's time, as I stated, to pick up these pieces and move forward and see what other writers do with May in trying to heal what was broken here. Yeah. And, and again, what I, what I encourage people, cause there, we got some people asking some questions in the chat, not only do not only listen to the breakdowns that we do, but go and read the books as we, as we talk about them, because we gloss over because there's so much crap in this story. Oh, we for this one. Over. Yeah. Like we've, yeah, we, and I, I, I will put it, I'll put it this way. We've done a real, really great job getting really detailed in our breakdowns when it comes to Mayday. But yes. this story is a lot bigger than just Mayday. And so, yes, we glanced over a lot. We did not really pay a whole lot of attention of, you know, the totem mystical crap that was going on because we focused our story on May. And, yeah, just definitely read, you know, go back and read with you know normally we try not to give people homework but this case is probably best to, it, to do well this is also why this sucks so again let's let's move forward let's move on um so i don't think we had any emails i didn't see any um when i last checked uh do we have any no. reviews or voicemails or anything at all uh, no voicemails uh and i no reviews because i've been checking the reviews and we have not done had any recently so okay um, so i do see that we've got two starred comments of those questions neil uh yeah well they're not questions well one of them is a question one of them is a statement oh okay uh, marcy says honestly they should have either recruited may before the inheritors got to her world or they should have had more characters act how may is okay. uh not, inc not incorrect no no agreed it's all again Story had bones, but story was in first draft and somehow got published. And I think if, um, you know, going off of Morris's suggestion that having all the characters act like May is like having having all these spider characters act like you're not necessarily irrational, but like on their own, on their own. No, like, they. but that's my thing. They all them. should be angry. They all should be wanting to jump into the action. And this is what I still don't fully understand. Why is it? It's like literally May goes, oh, my God, we got to go get my brother. They stole my brother. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And, and it's all very justifiable. And, and, you know, and they treat her like she's completely irrational. Then Cindy goes, oh, my God, um, I I broke my. I chipped my, a nail in Loom World. I, I, I broke I broke my wristband. Uh, Jessica, will you will you switch with me? Oh, no, Jessica's now stuck. I feel guilty. We got to go. I chipped which, which even, and even Peter Jessica, and, and this is my thing, even Jessica, when they came in, was like, dude, what the crap? I don't need saving. I've got this. Why yeah, did yeah. you talk? What? Like, check uh, check my Wikipedia. And so, so they can have a tie-in. And some of the, some of the ones are tie-in. But that's what my thing, though, is, is why, what, like, it's very nonsensical on what got justified and what didn't. And it doesn't make sense to me. And honestly, there's 20 issues to this like three month long story. And it's just bloated. And and, and literally, we only covered um, 
the first the main, the the main, main issues story and the, the one issue that yeah. has common wrong doing it. We did not we did not go into the side stories at all, but let's get we, to the last question and then we can wrap up. Um, so, so Professor Escanor asks, do you feel the reason May and Kamala were treated this way is because Marvel doesn't feel like that's demographic cares for the books? Yes, I actually truly 100% believe Nick Lowe thinks girls should not read comic books that feature Spider-Man. It's a, it's a weird contradiction because Marvel has consistently, I don't want to say dumped money, but they've consistently advertised as like, this is the new generation, the new demographics of girl comic readers. And yet they continually make decisions that alienate and isolate that same female and person of color uh, demographic from wanting to read comics. I'll put it this way. They treat someone like me like the unicorn. I'm the one that's so different. I grew up going to a comic book shop. I grew up reading comics. I'm so strange and different. I'm that manacle pixie dream girl. Guess what? Not the only one. It's a very prevalent and big community, especially on Twitter and on social media. In yeah. reviewing comic books, females females run the world, to quote Beyonce. Um, but seriously, yes. but no, but a large part of the the economy. So I'll put it this way. Disney tapped into the teenage girl economy a long, long time ago and realized that, you know, if you can get teen girls to buy something, you make money. Think about K-pop. Think about the teenage girls that are super big into K-pop. They make money, global money. Wouldn't, I understand Marvel, you know, quote unquote, said they tried, but they never fully marketed it appropriately. The issue at hand is that they feel like things need to be different and pandered to, like these teenage girls need to be pandered to in an almost dismissive and inappropriate way versus, yeah, the way Spider-Girl was marketed was amazing. It was just back in that 90s, nobody had the budget of marketing that Marvel does now, uh, which is why Gwen does resonate a little bit more. Um, well, and, 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 you know, there wasn't social media. And yeah. so, there, you know, there's a little bit difference there. But the thing is, is like, those were good bones. If they had kept at it, they would have something amazing. But instead, they consistently were dismissive. They consistently bullied and I'm going to say they bullied. You have a couple of creators that still actively bully girls. Comics gate is a thing. Uh, Gamers gate is a thing. It's a serious situation. You treat everything like a boys club when it's not a boys club. And you you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You should be able to work together and create a safe space, but you don't. And I wanted to touch on Kamala because it, it was a May and Kamala question. But yeah. I, I think I think Marvel accidentally accidentally struck gold with Kamala because it was See? a different book. And and then progressively they have they've gone, oh wait, no, we didn't want this demographic, we want the straight white guys to buy Miss Marvel. And, and so they progressively oh, sorry. No, no, no. That I mean, and it makes a point. And that's my thing, is that like anytime we get anything of substance and of like an amazing story somehow some way and somehow nick lowe is involved when it happens <laughs> things go back to this weird situation that just doesn't work yeah like, yeah. like miss, miss marvel has gone from a character struggling with their religion and identity in you know and where they Americana, fit the yeah and into being just another generic x character who's in a generic cape book 
And it, it, look, there's a lot of just, I, I think the, the similarities between Kamala and Mayday right now is that there's just profound disappointment because of the amount of potential that exists as concepts that are in the hands of the, frankly, the wrong people. And I'll be honest, Nick Lowe has been spider editor now for over a decade. I want him to find something he actually has a passion in. Look, well, I'm look ready. At She-Hulk. I'm ready. He's doing good on She-Hulk. Let him go do that. Frankly, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Brevoort hasn't retired yet is also kind of, um, you know. I, post, I posted in, in the, me a little. I posted in our private chat that Brevoort is taking over the X Men office uh, from Jordan wait, D. White, which wait. is not good. No, no, it's not good. We shouldn't say the rest of the conversation, um, but. Just know that I will have as much outrage um, over a death or inappropriateness as I have with Kamala. Emma Frost, um, girl. Emma Frost was too much of a girl boss. We should kill her off for sales. And well, again, I don't. I don't it, like Emma Frost, but I will support her if she gets fridged because <laughs> well, that would be really funny. Actually, <laughs> no. anyway. would she get fridged or would she get put in the icebox? Sorry, she gets put in the jewelry cabinet. Anyway, uh, any, any, anyway, we're going to, we're going to go into, um, if that is the end of our questions, where I'm going to go into the next episode. Um, yeah, which well, is, feel, feel free to leave any more lingering questions that are actually pertinent. Actually, actually, yes. Uh, anything that is actually pertinent, I, we will answer, uh, other things that may or may not, um, apply, uh, at this time, we will answer at a later date if yes. it is appropriate. Um, but next episode, uh, Spider Island. Um, it's going to be very short and sweet. I'm still trying to figure out the breakdown for it since honestly, it's actually just one issue and should be broken down and read as such. But since it's a defined um, kind of like the Spider Island is this defined break that I don't want to include it mm -hmm. into Web Warriors. Um, so it's getting its own episode. So it should be short and sweet and awesome. Um, I'll probably do the breakdowns if you will do the history on it. And yeah, because there's there's a lot. There's a lot. Why are we go undergoing this? This like why is the story happening the way it's happening and everything like that? Uh, we'll go into the. I kind of made the joke about Secret Wars three, the one that nobody asked for. Um, but we'll talk a lot about Secret Wars because it was going on during that event. Um. And, you know, everything that was going on at the time, we'll try, I'll try to encapsulate that as much as I can in the, in the history. Um, because originally it was supposed to be a one shot. Yeah. That was a slightly oversized one shot that it ended up it being became a B story. Yeah. <laughs> B story in the mini series that was kind of weird. Why it was no one asked for it. No yeah. one asked for it. Um, so uh, again, like I say, we've, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of at the point where we're, we're the, the fountain of content is, you know, starting to, to the well is starting to dry up. So we're trying to stretch things along a little bit too. Um, but yes, we've got that coming up next, next episode, a couple of weeks, I think is when we're tentatively got it penciled in be sure yeah. to like share and subscribe like like and subscribe to the channel because that's going to be the best way you guys know when new episodes come out it's the yeah. easiest way because that way you get the notification and it sends and, and make sure when you do subscribe to to set to your notifications to all 
so that way you know every time when we when we do a stream i'll make my mayday stream or a spider experience stream speaking of we will be doing the slot symposium on sunday first one so we're gonna be covering the first part of slots run and having that discussion so i get to read Good more luck with that because you have to deal with paul <laughs> yes it'll be me and paul no, um, offense, no offense to paul i just no. paul talking about slot is not something i want to be a part of the good news is this is a primer just to talk about the stuff before his run so yes we're do we're, we're dodging the bullet for the first episode neil's gonna be producer adam's gonna be the moderator and then you got me and paul so that's the way the setup is gonna be um oh good we got luck with that uh would you do an episode covering may's appearance in other media like games or merchandise she likely has so few appearances you could probably yes i think wow, that she was, we will um she was so in it, Unlimited. it'll be probably sometime next year um mm -hmm. The main goal right now is to finish everything up to this present moment. Um, so the way we have this set up is we're going to finish things this year uh, toward to the end of Spider-Geddon. And then next year we'll talk about um, everything that has come out this year featuring Mayday. Yeah. And we'll get into the other media and have an episode about the movie and video games and we all that hoped. stuff. Marcy. We had hoped by the time that we got to the to the movie that the second film was going to be. Oh up. no! I I already knew from the from the get go when the moment the rumor came out that none of the nothing had been recorded. I was like, oh, this ain't coming out for a while. Yeah. Um. So, so there's there's that. But yeah, no. I mean, we'll like I said, we'll get to it we're good. We're just, we're trying our best to find good places to kind of pause for breaks in mm -hmm. this because especially this part of the uh, Mayday history, so to speak, uh, we're getting pretty, it's heavy. Um, obviously I think like, I mean, I enjoy Spider Island a lot despite the heaviness because I think it yes. fixes a lot of the bad taste that we had from this. So I'm excited yeah. for us to talk about it. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. We get to do a whole episode about it. Um, but then we have to deal with web warriors and <laughs> the millions of sandwiches that. Oh boy. Well, um, talk, talk about we'll, monologues. We'll I'll, get, I'll... We'll get, yeah. We'll get into that. That's a whole other story for a whole other time. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, no, we're we're getting to it. It's yeah, it will it, happen. There's there's a lot more. There's a lot more episodes to go. We are nowhere near the end just yet. No, no, we're really not. I mean, I I, I say that we have less stuff. It's just because we're we're so far along in the journey, and we've we've done we've come a long way in fifty three episodes, but we are not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, we have not yet begun to fight. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, and I, I, we've got a lot more of ideas once we get through the comics story than we want to, you know, do. We Branch kind of out, about... look, look and in, look into the fan works and stuff like that. So like we're exactly. we're nowhere near done. It's just we got to get through the canon before we can go zany and start uh, exposing some of you crazy people. And your RPs. I'm gonna pull up some role play accounts from, from, from back in a long the day. time ago. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that will be, <laughs> be fully doing the history, and I'm just gonna be like, okay, I'm sitting back. 
<laughs> yeah. So anyway, we'll figure it all out. Um, but with that, we will bid you guys adieu and yeah. I'll let Zach roll us out. All right. So of course, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for uh, watching us live on YouTube. If you're listening to us on the audio edition, thank you guys as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Spidey Dude Network, Twitter over on at Spidey Dude Radio and at Make My Mayday, YouTube. If you've not subscribed, youtube.com slash Spidey Dude Radio Network. And then you can find Kelly on Instagram, uh, kmcdaniel28. And then, of course, you can also find us on TikTok. If you have not become a Patreon subscriber, Go ahead and on over to patreon.com slash Network to get the audio editions a little early. They get uh, other goodies like um, voices from the eerie video editions. You can see everybody's lovely faces and uh, and more. We've got uh, the MTV uh, Spider-Man commentary dropping soon. So we've got the Sensational Tier. we got Alice and Farquhar, Cindy, Ed, Georgia, Greg, uh, Janelle, Jessica, Catherine, Kale, Kegar, Laura, Howard, uh, Master Dramon, Phoenician, Scott, Vanessa, Vicky, and our newest patron, Lump Moose. Thank you guys for your support as well as our VIP, Scott, Sebastian, Vinkman, and Winnipeg Webhead, as well as our patrons that are our friendly neighborhoods here, which is our listing the edition I list out right now. All right. Thanks again, guys, for your support. It all, you know, is very appreciative. If you haven't checked out our other fine shows on the network, like Clone Soccer Chronicles and Spectacular Radio and ASM Classics, go check those out. Sabi Sima Era podcast and Voices from the Eerie have new episodes that are dropping. New episode of Books of X coming out soon. And of course, the Spidey Experience having new episodes uh, coming out. We recently covered the latest two issues, uh, 29 and 30 of ASM. The next episode, we'll be covering more. So if you have not checked those out, check those out. Thank you guys for those that were watching with us live. Thank you guys that are listening at home. And we will see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network.